It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, and I'm excited to be joining you for this Daily Thunder episode in our Becoming Brave series. As you know, I've been sharing stories with you from Christian history of men and women whose lives have deeply inspired me when it comes to having stunning composure while facing crisis. And what I love about these stories in history is that these men and women were not extraordinary in themselves. They weren't especially strong or brilliant, but they trusted in the power of an extraordinary God and made themselves fully available to him. And that is why they made such an incredible and dramatic impact upon the world. And it's such an encouraging realization to see that it's not about us and our own strength, but simply getting out of the way and letting God do his work, showcase his courage and bravery through us. Today, I want to look at the life of Catherine Booth. She and her husband, William, were the co-founders of the Salvation Army in the late 1800s. And the Salvation Army became one of the most powerful gospel forces in the entire world. And even now, looking back throughout history, it's hard to find another ministry that had such a dramatic and global impact as the Salvation Army. Catherine, though, did not have an easy life. And one of the reasons I want to feature her story is she's an incredible example of strength, God's strength being shown in the midst of weakness. She battled health issues her entire life. And when she and William started their ministry, they had a lot of financial challenges. They had a lot of criticism, both from Christians and non-Christians. And she was raising eight children and they never really had a settled home or a very predictable lifestyle. So you can just imagine the pressures that she faced. And yet she was so passionate to bring the gospel everywhere she went. She never allowed physical weakness or circumstantial challenges to hinder her from spreading the good news of the gospel. She was so outward focused. She was tireless in preaching the gospel everywhere she went. And she was relentless in calling the church to triumphant Christianity. She literally changed millions of lives as a result. At the end of her life, 50,000 people gathered to hear her last message, and another 50,000 came to her funeral. Now, I find that amazing in light of the fact that there were not cars or planes back then to make travel easier. She had made such an amazing impact on so many people's lives because she was passionately committed to bringing the gospel everywhere she went in spite of her own weakness. She was also very blunt and bold about saying what the church needed to hear. At the time when the Salvation Army started, there were basically two kinds of Christians. There were those who lived in comforts and wealth, and then those who were willing to venture into the slums and where the need truly was. And most Christians in her time were living in the comfortable side of Christianity and not wanting to even awaken to what was going on just a few miles away from them. In William and Catherine's time, London was divided into two sections. The west side of London was very affluent, very comfortable, very wealthy and well-to-do, where all the respectable people lived. And most well-to-do Christians, respectable Christians lived in the west side. But on the east side of London, just a few miles away, it was a totally different story. It was filthy. It was crime infested. It was filled with poverty and disease, destitute and starving children. 
But the Christians who lived in the west side didn't usually want to even know what happened on the east side. William and Catherine felt called to go straight into the east side of London and win it with the power and the love of Jesus Christ. And so they really bucked the system because most people in their social class wouldn't have even set foot in the east side of London. And yet that was where they felt called. And she was constantly charging and challenging the comfortable Christians in her country to rise up and fulfill the Great Commission and not just live for comfort and pleasure. Now, you might think that someone like Catherine Booth was just a naturally bold and courageous person to be challenging what was normal in her day, and yet she described the first time that she felt God impress upon her to speak publicly, and she was absolutely terrified. She felt extremely weak and extremely unqualified to speak in public. Her husband had given a sermon, and it was like at a very large gathering of Christians, and people were getting up at the end of the service and sharing testimony of things that God had done in their lives. And she felt compelled to share a testimony, but she was so concerned and so worried that she would be humiliated. The enemy kept whispering lies in her ear. You're going to make a fool of yourself. And so finally she said, that settled it for me. I've never had the opportunity yet to be a fool for Christ. I might as well start now. So she, with great determination, got up, fear and trembling, shaking, nervous, got up there and shared her testimony, her story. And it made such an incredible impact that she was willing to take that step of obedience, that she was willing to humble herself. And so many people became bold to share testimony of what God had done in their lives, bold to share the good news of the gospel with people who were dying in the east side of London because of Catherine's example, her willingness to rise up even in the midst of her own weakness and say, yes, Lord. There were other times she talked about being in her sickbed and then getting up from her sickbed, going out to share the gospel or to to speak publicly, and then going right back to her sickbed. So a lot of what she did, even though it was so powerful, came out of weakness. And she was that constant an example of saying, Lord, your strength is made perfect in my weakness. When one of her daughters was in her teen years, she was struggling with some kind of emotional issue. And Catherine wrote this to her, do not give way to lowness while you are young. Rise up in the strength of God and resolve to conquer. And the reason she could write that to her child is because she herself lived that out every single day. Now, as I've said in other biographies that I've highlighted in this series, it's easy to think that a remarkable person like this only comes along once in every few generations or that there was something special about that person. But the Bible constantly makes it clear that that kind of boldness and tenacity and unwavering faith is available to anyone who will believe in the power of our God. God desires to work the same power and triumph in our lives as he did in Catherine Booth's if we will make ourselves available to that supernatural transforming power. As I've studied Catherine's life, I noticed several spiritual qualities that I believe we can apply to our lives today, and I want to highlight three of them specifically. The first one is that she did not allow weakness to rule her life. So many of us are pushed around by our circumstances, by how weak we feel physically or emotionally. She just refused to allow weakness to dictate her decisions. One of my favorite quotes that she said is this, the waters are rising, but so am I. I am not going under, but over. And she knew she could go over the rising waters because of the power of God, the miracle of Christ in her, the hope of glory. As I mentioned before, she had many serious health issues for most of her life, including tuberculosis and heart trouble and scoliosis of the spine. She once wrote, I can scarcely remember a day of my life which has been free from pain. 
And yet instead of allowing her weakness to limit her ability to fulfill God's call in her life, she rose above it, leaning on his strength, trusting that he would sustain her for the task before her. She reminds me so much of the example of Paul who said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, of course, that's not to say that every time we're in a bed of sickness, we are supposed to rise up and preach the gospel. However, she took hold of that more than conquerors promise in Romans 8:37, and it really inspires me to do the same rather than just to say, well, this physical weakness or this circumstantial problem is going to dictate my decisions. Lord, if you have called me to something, even if there seems to be barriers in the way, I know you can break through those barriers by your power, by your might. She did not allow weakness to have a greater say than the spirit of God. Because she never allowed her own weakness to hold her back, she became this voice for what it means to have a conquering spirit. And she encouraged others that were struggling with all sorts of things to rise up and become overcomers because of the grace of God. Another thing I noticed about Catherine's life is that she was willing to take risks for God, where a lot of other women her age were focused on their social lives and going to teas and going to parties. She considered herself to be a soldier of the cross. And this is what she wrote about it. A barracks is meant to be a place where real soldiers were to be fed and equipped for war, not a place to settle down in or as a comfortable snuggery in which to enjoy ourselves. Again, such a bold statement, but she lived it out. You know, you might be kind of offended by that and say, well, who are you to tell me, you know, how I'm supposed to live as a soldier? But she was living as a soldier for Christ, a good soldier for Christ. And so she had the credibility to speak those bold things to the, into the lives of other Christians. She once wrote about one of her earliest experiences in sharing the gospel to the lost and the dying when she was a young wife and mother in England. She was struggling because her husband, William, had a preaching ministry, but she felt very unfruitful for the kingdom of God. She was at home with four young children, had a lot of health issues, but she felt compelled to go to the east side of London and walk through the poorest district in the town. And there she saw poverty and pain and abuse, and her heart was aching to bring light into the midst of that darkness. So she began to pray for God's spirit to guide her steps and make her an instrument of the gospel among the poor, especially among those who were enslaved to alcoholism. And here's how she described that first experience. I observed a woman standing on the adjoining doorstep with a jug in her hand. My divine teacher said, speak to that woman. After a momentary struggle, I introduced myself to her and invited her to our church service. She answered, I can't go to chapel. I am kept at home by a drunken husband. I asked if I might come in and see her husband. No, she said, he is drunk. You could do nothing for him and he would only abuse you. I replied, I am not afraid. He will not hurt me. I followed her up the stairs. I felt strong now in the Lord and in the power of his might, as safe as a babe in the arms of its mother. I realized it was I was in the path of obedience and I feared no evil. And she went on in that biography to talk about how she shared the gospel with that man and his wife and how he gave his life to Jesus Christ and their entire family was transformed. And as a follow-up to that, she wrote this. From that time on, I commenced a systematic course of house-to-house visitation, devoting two evenings per week to the work. The Lord so blessed my efforts that in a few weeks I succeeded in getting 10 alcoholics to abandon their soul-destroying habits and meet once a week for prayer and reading the scriptures. 
Her decision to ask big things of God and and stand upon the promise that says all things are possible with God caused her to have a courage unlike most other women. She spoke boldly and unapologetically against the self-indulgent, mediocre Christianity that was very common in her country. One of my favorite quotes about this was when she said, it will be a happy day for England when Christian ladies transfer their attention from poodles and terriers to destitute and starving children. And I think that is very applicable today. We may not be consumed with poodles and terrors, but so many of us are consumed with empty and frivolous things that have no eternal value. And as a result, we are blind to the needs of those all around us and all around the world. Catherine did not care if people approved of her, and that is one of the reasons she was able to take risks for God. She did not try to please crowds. She said what needed to be said, whether it made her popular or not. And because she was willing to take those risks for God, her message spread around the world like wildfire. It was so amazing and refreshing to people to hear that bold truth spoken. One of the things she was constantly talking about is how the world and the church should not blend together, that Christians should be set apart and people should be able to look at our lives and see something different. She said, when the world and the church can jog comfortably together, you may be sure there is something wrong. And the way the Salvation Army was built was on that principle. They looked differently, spoke differently, dressed differently, acted differently, and people hated them because of it. And yet they were so effective in spreading the gospel because of their boldness, because of their willingness not to try to blend into the world but to stand out and even look like fools for the sake of Christ. Another observation of Catherine Booth is that she was proactive and aggressive in sharing her faith. She did not believe she was just here on this earth to live for herself, but that God had placed a calling on her life to share the gospel. And she believed every Christian is called to share the gospel. She wrote this, you are not here in the world for yourself. You have been sent here for others. The world is waiting for you. If we are to better the future, we must disturb the present. And again, you would hear these stories of the Salvation Army parades, these marching bands where they would sing hymns and proclaim the gospel and and walk down the middle of these publicly populated streets and people would throw rotten fruit at them and yell at them and mock them and sometimes they would get arrested and yet they did not care. They, they knew that if they wanted to see change in the future, they had to create waves in the present. And William Booth wrote this when he went to visit the King of England. He wrote in the, the guest book, some men's ambition is art, some men's ambition is fame, some men's ambition is gold. My ambition is the souls of men. And Catherine lived that way as well. One of the things she wrote about her position on being aggressive in sharing the gospel was this. If your neighbors were sick of some devastating plague and you could go and help them, would you not do it? Would you say, I am a woman, I cannot go, or I am too young, too old, or too busy? No, you would say, let me go, like Miss Nightingale did to the sick and wounded soldiers. Let me go. And these are not the bodies, but the souls. They are dying. They are going to an eternal death. Will you not rise up? What a challenging and convicting statement. In our modern culture, in our modern Christian culture, it is not very popular or even encouraged to be aggressive in sharing our faith. Typically, we want to be a lot more subtle, a lot more culturally sensitive. We don't want to offend anybody. And yet with Catherine, she said, 
if you realize that that people around you are dying and going to an eternal death, why would you stay silent? And of course, she believed in sharing the gospel in a loving and Christ-like way and not in a fleshly or angry or prideful way, but she also did not believe in just being soft and subtle with proclaiming truth. She believed that we are to go after those around us with the good news of the gospel and that it rests with us to pursue them, not them to pursue us which is very much a biblical idea when Jesus tells us to go into all the world and make disciples. One of the most practical statements from Catherine Booth is is really encouraging because sometimes when we catch the vision of sharing the gospel, we are overwhelmed and we don't know where to start. And here's one statement that she made, which is very doable for every single one of us. There is one soul that you have more influence with than any other person on earth, some soul or souls. Are you doing all you can for their salvation? Your relatives, friends, acquaintances are to be rescued from the depths of sin, degradation, and woe. Let them see the tears in your eyes, or if you cannot weep, let them hear the tears in your voice, and let them realize you feel their danger and are in distress for them. God will give his Holy Spirit, and they will be saved. What a practical way to apply this truth of aggressive Christianity, realizing that each of us have been given souls that we have influence with, whether it's a spouse, a neighbor, a friend, a sibling, or a child, or a co-worker, and to ask God prayerfully, am I doing all that I can for their salvation? Am I truly burdened from them? Or if I'm not burdened, am I willing for God to give me his burden for them? And when we start with that practical step, that's how the world can be one for Christ. It doesn't always start with a big, broad, sweeping vision of reaching 10,000 people with the gospel. A lot of times it starts with just being faithful with the souls he's placed in our life right now today, but to not be passive with those in our lives that desperately need the truth of Jesus Christ. That is what you see over and over and over again in the life of Catherine Booth. In Romans 12, 11, we are told to never be lacking in zeal, but to keep our spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And I love that verse. It seems so impossible at times, but when I look at the lives of men and women in history, people like Catherine Booth, I begin to realize that it is possible by God's enabling grace to keep our spiritual fervor. Even when we are weak, even when our physical bodies are not strong, we can be brave for the gospel of Jesus Christ by his enabling grace, just as Catherine's life demonstrated. My prayer is that each of us would resolve today, as Catherine said, to rise up on the power of God and resolve to conquer any and everything that is standing in the way of his glory being revealed through our lives today. God bless. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.